Welcome to Quarter of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you joined us. Now it's time to sit back and relax. Your hosts navigate through the twisty, turning, but never boring world. Five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com, coming to you on Thursday, July 9th, live from our uh, our humble abode, uh, still in quarantine mode. That's fine. We'll get you going. Uh, LA Galaxy. And that's going to be a big one uh, coming up on Monday. And, of course, lots of uh, league news, lots of interesting stuff sort of going down. Uh, another team bounced out of the tournament. Probably not a surprise, uh, but some adjustments to the tournament as well. Plus, uh, some controversy now with MLS uh, being blamed possibly for a shortage of tests around the Orlando area uh, and a whole bunch of other little things, including a viewing party at the Rose Bowl. Coming up to help me do all of it, he's back. It's the Portuguese Hammer, Mr. Eric Vieira. How's it going, buddy? It's going all right. Real soccer. We get to talk about a real soccer match that happened and is going to happen. This is exciting. I'm excited, even though we're still, you know, in kind of the this new school setup we have. It, it, it's exciting to have soccer back, even with all all of the the warts that go along with it. Yeah, the uh, the MLS is back tournament kicked off. Um, we are uh, we are going. I mean, it's been two games now. There's three games. Uh, there's a game currently going on right now um, as we're recording, and then the opening game, Orlando versus Miami, um, which uh, the first half was horrible. Uh, the second half was uh, was actually entertaining. There was some entertaining soccer going on, but a whole bunch of uh, lead up to that as well. Um, and it was uh, it was really interesting to see MLS take center stage as the first men's professional sport. Uh, to come back in uh, in the United States um, and to play. And so um, there was a, a great showing of the Black Lives Matter and all of the black players from around Major League Soccer uh, were out on the field for this. Uh, it was a, an interesting, I think, and moving sort of intro to all of, uh, all of the soccer that eventually we did get to see. Um, and it was an inter- interesting production by ESPN. Um, I, I think all in all, we've seen some... Some interesting things go on in the last, you know, 24 hours. And if you woke up real early, um, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, uh, you got to see another game uh, played this morning. And so I woke up to soccer, which is waking up to soccer is nothing new, Hammer, because if you're a fan of any of the European leagues, you've done that before. But waking up to MLS soccer, the first ever 9 a.m. game played uh, in Major League Soccer, um, it would be uh, it would be one of those one of those things that it's like, hey, that was that was new. Yeah, and it's it's as strange as it sounds. It almost seems like it gives it some legitimacy, uh, you know. Even though you know it already is uh, accepted and it has the following that it does, I think having it follow that uh, you know EPL schedule just makes it feel like okay, this is you know one of the we're one of the big boys. And and just going back to the opening match with Inter Miami in Orlando and the the Black Lives Matter, um, you know. Uh, Yes. Are we calling it a protest in the beginning? The demonstration, I think, would probably be a better better description. Uh, But that was powerful uh, just for the amount of time that they were silent and that they stood in solidarity. And I think when you talk about, uh, you know, the amount of time that George Floyd was, you know, under the knee of uh, that that officer, when you think about how long that time was and, you know, when you say that got kind of awkward and that's why you realize how powerful that um that statement was. So I thought, you know, big on the, the black players co- coalition for making that happen. I thought it was powerful as a nice way to, 
I don't know if nice is the right word, but it, it was a, a strong statement to kind of come out the gate. And then uh, once the game got going, we saw a little bit of rust uh, with the teams, but it, it, it didn't look that far off than uh, what we've seen with the leagues coming back. Yeah, it was, uh, again, an interesting sort of time uh, as as we look at everything. Um, you know, the, the, the whole game itself, um, was an interesting game. And, and just from, as we talked about before, you know, from the production value and everything that was sort of happening um, within the LA, uh, within Major League Soccer and what ESPN was going to do to make this look different and look interesting and sort of, you know, uh, attack some of these, some of these problems that they had, which is one, that they're not in a giant stadium that's cavernous. And so um, it's, it's one of those like weird things that I think if you just have the fake crowd noise and certainly the, um, I think on, uh, uh, on TUDN in the game that was going on as we're going, they have some fake crowd noise going in there. Um, but it's just, and, and I think on some of the satellite radio feeds as well, they had the fake crowd noise. I can understand a little more with satellite radio. You're trying to portray sort of this thing that's going on. Um, and without that sound on radio, it might be really empty. I could, you know, you're trying to paint a picture and you know, the whole thing, but if you're trying to paint, a actual picture of what is going on in the game. What you're seeing from it is that ESPN embedded microphones. Um, you know, they have all these different camera angles, which by the way, the biggest fail that they have in terms of anything that I saw was the fact that the high side camera can't catch the near sideline directly underneath it. It's like you can't miss that part of the field. If you're setting this tournament up the way that you knew you were setting it up, it's like, it's one of those things you have to sit there and say, okay, well, how do we fix this? That's the biggest problem we have. Um, and that's the only thing really that we're seeing is, you know, in terms of camera angles, they can't get on the high side camera um, down to actually seeing that near side sideline right underneath them. But having said that, there's like, you know, a bunch of different cameras. They have the aerial wire cam that's in there as well. Um, they have the fake jumbotrons, the blue screens that are showing the advertisement, uh, the Adidas logo that everybody thought was painted on for the first 20 minutes. I was like, no, 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 that's a, that's a projection. Look at different camera angles. So all those things. So what'd you think of it, Eric? Cause I, I think I'm a thumbs up for the most part. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I liked it. I think, uh, the amount of ads and I think you, you retweeted something that I saw with the American coverage versus the international coverage without the ads. So with, and without the ads, that's when you realize, uh, those American sponsorships where, where that really shines through, uh, depending on how you view that. But again, the, again, the only issue with the camera angles being the, again, that near sideline, but I think that's just a limitation of the fields and how close the fields are. And, uh, that's something I can live with. So I, I don't hate it too much. Obviously it's a little bit frustrating. Someone may, made a joke about, it and I said, listen, no one's scoring goals on the sideline. So, you know, just relax a little bit. I mean, you're, you might miss a few plays here and there, but I don't think any highlight play you're going to miss because of the sideline cam. Um, so, th so that's just one thing that didn't bother me too much back to the, the crowd noise. I think that's a personal preference thing. People either prefer it without the crowd noise or they love it with the crowd noise pumped in. And to me, I like it without the crowd noise. I think you get to hear the players yelling. You get to hear that conversation on the field. It feels authentic to me. Uh, I understand, like you made the great point. If it's on the radio, you don't have the, vis the visuals to compensate with it. So you need to make it feel like it's an event. Otherwise, you're going to have some dead air and it's going to it's going to be awkward. But when you have the, the TV viewership, you're watching the program uh, and you get to hear what the players are saying. I, I remember um, there was a video clip when Chelsea played Man City 
of the Pulisic goal, Christian Pulisic's goal. And with the crowd noise bump, pumped in, you couldn't really hear what was going on. But when they showed the clip afterward of what it sounded like on the field and them celebrating, uh, I, I personally thought that was very cool. So you saw a little bit of that earlier today as well uh, with that Philadelphia game when they scored the goal. You heard them celebrating. I remember I caught one of the players and said, it's only one goal, let's go. So hearing that type of interaction on the field, is is what I I enjoy. I know it's not for everyone, and it's one of those things. No one's going to be happy because if you pump in the crowd noise, then there's going to yeah. be people like myself who are upset. If you don't pump it, if uh, if you if you do pump it in, then people are going to say, "Well, I, I wish uh, that we got an authentic view." So um, I I thought I thought the the production was good. I and I think the something that's important to note is that that was their first outing, and I think as these things go on, ESPN will probably adjust and make little tweaks here and there. Um, to, to improve the broadcast, there's going to be multiple games and multiple opportunities for them to to work on these tweaks. So, but overall, I, there are more positives than negatives. Yeah, the jumbotrons that pop up too. They have the fake jumbotron that can be at the midfield, and then they can have the fake jumbotrons between each of the, behind each of the goals. And it's fun whenever they show those different angles and do that stuff. You get to see the fake jumbotrons, and a lot of times uh, they're broadcasting fans. It looks like in a Zoom call of some sort, and you're there. Um, it, by the way, it looked like somebody was like laying on a bed with the computer on like the bed, you know, total college style at one of those. And uh, it was just it was just fun to sort of see like, oh, oh, wait, I'm on national television. On like you never know when you're going to be on that screen. So I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, people are asking me how uh, Galaxy fans uh, can do that. Um, it's going to be a real interesting thing. Um, I think TUDN was, Eric, you said you watched a little bit of that game that was going on before we started. Um, and you said that they're using the advertising uh, blue screens yep. and they're using the jumbotrons and they're using the fan cams and all that stuff. The fan cams. And someone also mentioned just to that point, well, is that distracting to players? But if you saw when they go to the on the field cameras, the players, the, those those things don't show up. So that's only going in your home. That's not going... Uh, you know, that's you're 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 sitting on the couch and waving uh, right. waving that scarf is not going to distract the other team. That's something that's just for the viewer experience at home. So, um, but yeah, it looks like TUDN was doing it, ESPN was doing it. We don't know if whatever the compromise was with Fox, if they're going to have something different when they broadcast the games. Yeah, um, it's <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, there's a bunch of virtual stuff. Again, the complaints came out about the um, the logo, by the way, which there's a FIFA rule that says that you can't have a logo at center uh, and center field. And so people were like, you can't do it. And you can't even have a virtual one, by the way. There's not even allowed a virtual one. That's against the rules. Um, but those are for. Cool. Yeah, yeah, but those were for FIFA-sponsored events, and that means mostly like World Cups or CONCACAF championships or, you know, different things. It's not for league play, and it's perfectly allowed, and it's fine. And it's not really there, so it's not a, you know... Um, it's funny, the, the one thing, I think there's some glitches, and you'll catch it every once in a while. Whenever the ball gets sent sometimes through the advertising boards on the backside, the ball disappears, or the ball gets smaller, because basically the shadowing around the ball whenever it goes, especially during the daytime, uh, turns blue. And so then that blue is is turned into basically the picture. So the ball will suddenly go like this, and it's a little bit smaller. And it's just like these little things that you see, but it's it's not not a big thing. I, I don't think it's a big deal. And if you've seen uh, the MLS ball design, there's a little bit of blue on it as well. So just naturally, uh, there's blue and green. So depending on the type of screen, it's going to disappear. I think that's that's a little thing. Is there any truth to the rumor that a COG put in a bid to have the midfield sponsorship? Did we just yeah, narrowly beat yeah. up by Adidas? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adidas paid two dollars. I, I bid dollar seventy five. So oh. that was that was it. Um, but you yeah, I mean, price is price is right. One 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 dollar. One dollar, Bob. Um, 
yeah, it was it, it's it's an interesting sort of look. I don't mind it. Um, for me, if you play the fake crowd noise in a stadium that's not really there, you're lying about what is happening in the game. Um, I'm okay with it in like sort of the bigger cavernous stadiums, but it's not. People said it looked like preseason games. Guess what? It feels like preseason with the way the teams are playing too. So I'm not against that that overall sentiment. Um, but the bottom line is that we've seen now three soccer games being played. Um, it's hot. It's humid. Players are out of shape. Um, teams are using most of their five subs. Uh, the two water breaks that are sort of happening, if you don't use those as basically timeouts to redo things, you're wasting time. I mean, these are things you're sort of... By the way, it being a team that doesn't play the first game is probably a good idea. Now you sort of see how these things work and how they go. Um, Kevin, by the way, was at that game, the Orlando-Miami game. Uh, I'll let him... He's probably going to talk to you about it on Tuesday because Monday is when the LA Galaxy play against the Portland Timbers. We won't have a show that night, or at least not a corner of the Galaxy from the box show. We may do something else, um, but we are going to do it. But Kevin will talk about Tuesday and how this whole sort of thing is set up. And I'll just sort of say one thing that he said to me, he goes, as they were walking to their places um, on the, uh, you know, in the corner, you can't really see anything. It's a low, it's a low spot. Like the whole day it's listen, the media was a second thought because, yeah, it's not a stadium. The media is a second thought because realistically they're doing everything virtually and they're just the only reason they're allowing those media there is that way they can say, see, we had media there. That was that was really it. But somebody said um, somebody said to him, I think one of the MLS staff said to him, um, hey, just remember, you're walking on a TV set, so don't get in the way. Right. It's not a stadium. It's a TV set. Right. And so, you know, sort of understand that and how it goes. Um all interesting things. I haven't seen a Fox game yet. Um, I don't know. Does Fox have the second game tonight? They might have the 7:30 game. Um, I don't have the schedule. I, One thing I yeah. also didn't bring up is the ball racks. The the ball, ball racks. racks after uh, <laughs> I almost forgot the name. After the League's Cup, uh, this became a official ball rock uh, endorsing podcast. So uh, the ball racks didn't look too dissimilar, except for the ones behind the goal had an Adidas logo. They were circular. It was kind of a cool looking ball rack behind the goal. For those of you who are interested, keep a key eye, keen eye open uh, for the ball racks behind the goal. So I don't know. Can little we things buy like one that. of those? Can, can we buy one? Because <laughs> I really want one for the studio. I really want to get a well, ball rack for the studio. It's it's, the panda it's very, there. I know where, yeah, yeah, just have him put one in his carry on. Crash the set and 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 yes. he can sneak one in his in his uh you know t- his bag he'll he'll be good to go. Yeah, it was a it was a physical game as you'd expect for. I mean, listen, it will, you could pretend that's a rivalry game that didn't have that had all the fire and fizzle of you know a wet blanket. There was nothing there, um, except for Dom Dwyer trying to kill people, which is a normal thing for Dom Dwyer. So hey, you know he's not he's not our favorite player on this podcast for no reason. That's for sure. Um, anyway, so, uh, it was an interesting game. Uh, Orlando, actually, I tell you, man, dark horse, Orlando, look out. They're going to win it all. They're the host. They're feeling, they're feeling saucy and they're in their home confines. They're just winning it all. Dark horse. I call it now. Um, so that's what we have. Here's the other thing that I think we sort of need to wrap our heads around. And I I was talking to some people today and just, you know, my normal check-ins with people to see how everything's going and just to talk through some things and, you know, how's the bubble? How, how are things? How are we doing? You know, how do you feel? That type of thing. You know, it's, and I think I'm guilty of this, so I, I will go a little bit, um, you know, the players here are making a huge sacrifice and I think it's really important that we remember that. Um, because, uh, I was talking to some people who have been in the bubble and sort of around the bubble and close to teams and not necessarily players. Um, but I was talking to this one person. He said he's been tested 17 times in the last five weeks. 17 times in the last five weeks. Um, it's a lot. 
that's a lot to be tested. And these players are getting tested. Some of them are getting tested, Eric, every single day because if you are in one of the groups that are now in trouble, which is uh, FC Dallas and Nashville, and Nashville got bounced, we'll talk a little bit about that as well, um, you're considered a high-risk group, so they're testing you every single day, not every other day. Um, so you're talking about guys who are getting swabs every single day, and they're doing this basically so we can watch some people play soccer. Um, yeah. And that's that includes all the people around them too, Eric. You know, all the coaches, all of the trainers, all of the cameramen, anybody who's inside the bubble gets tests every other day. Uh, and it's a, it, it's a big deal because I think Eric, you and I have talked about this before, but we said the split for players who wanted to go versus players who didn't want to go was probably closer to 50-50 than everybody really wanted to admit it was, right? Um, and probably the 50% that went, they were like, hey, I need this job. This is my, you know, most MLS players aren't making millions and millions of dollars. Um, and so it, it's one of those things you look at and you say, okay, um, you know, is this, is this something that, you know, is this something that I need? And some of those guys who make a lot of money are going to say, no, it's not something I need. Um, it's not something I need to have. Uh, it's not any of those things that are, um, that was, you know, all these different things. It, it's, it's that, you know, some of these guys wanted to play and some of these guys didn't, and it's 50, 50. And so imagine that there are, you know, 300 or 400 players or half of every team that's out there doesn't want to be there. Um, yeah. and they're doing it anyway. So, I mean, that's, that's, we have to take a little bit of a tip of the cap of that. Don't you think? Yeah, I think absolutely. And I think the, you have to recognize that there's hesitation. I think at the open of the show, uh, when I mentioned that I'm excited that there's soccer back, that's not to diminish the fact that there is a global pandemic happening right now and that these players are sacrificing and taking risks to be there. Uh, and from everything that we've heard about the testing, it's not necessarily a, a lot of fun to get those tests. So that's another element as well. So these players are putting themselves at risk, uh, understanding that this is something that is for entertainment, but this is their job. This is their livelihood. So, uh, you know, for some of them, it's, it's worth it to them for some of them being in quarantine and being in their houses and, and apartments or wherever they live and not being able to play, that's something that probably mentally took a toll on them. So while health-wise, they may be taking a risk mentally this to get out there and play the sport that they love to do their job is something that probably is, is good for them mentally, even though there may be some stresses as far as uh, you know, some teams that are bursting the bubble and, and the risk that they're putting themselves in. But I think in the end, uh, you know, they're they're the players that went um you know, if you talk about 50-50, if, if you're weighing it, everyone's on a, a spectrum. They were at least on the 51% saying it's worth it to them to go. So right. th they're leaning more towards being comfortable there and, and doing it than, than others. So, yeah, definitely a tip of the cap to those who are out there because, uh, you know, it's it's not a joke. They, they, they are, they're going through a lot uh, to provide this brief little distraction entertainment for us all. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting too. The the guys from Dallas and, and Nashville, um, you know, some of them are actually glad that they're being quarantined in the hotel right now. And by the way, it seems like MLS is, and I'm not going to say having trouble, but it's a major operation to try to, you know, get those guys, especially the teams that had ten. You know, Dallas had ten, and Nashville had nine uh, positive tests from players. Um, you can't just move people with positive coronavirus tests around places. Guess guess what? It's it's difficult. So. Uh, MLS has to keep all those guys in the hotels. So Nashville and Dallas, they're still in the bubble. They're not going anywhere probably for a little while. Uh, they may be able to test out some of the guys who aren't positive. They may be able to get those guys on a charter and send them back eventually. Um, and maybe do that earlier rather, uh, you know, earlier rather than later. 
Um, but for the guys who are positive, basically, they're going to have to wait for negative tests before they can leave there. And just the way that this disease runs its different course, um, this virus runs its course, it's it's not always just like, oh, well, it's over in 14 days. That's the incubation period, not the not the time that the, the disease actually runs itself and runs its course. Um and they're going to be able to test that and see how long people are shedding the virus. And by doing those tests every single day or every other day, uh, they're going to be eventually do it. But some of those guys are actually glad that they're still in the hotel because going back to the places that they were, Dallas particularly, uh, it's a mess. And so they would rather be in the bubble in Orlando. Um, and it's uh, it, it's maybe a little bit more safety. But I, I'll tell you this, you know, speaking with some of the people, just because, Eric, you, you know, let's say you and I got a test and then we found out that neither of us had that test. We were both negative. Uh, and then we could go hang out in terms of we could stand close to each other. You still have to wear your mask, though, because you don't know if you picked it up between your last test and whenever we're now seeing each other. So just the fact that these guys are in the bubble, yeah, it feels better to know that there's, you know, 25 guys all around you who have all tested, you know, negative and that you're pretty good. You're pretty good. You don't know for sure that you're 100%. And so that also weighs on all of that is that these guys are in close proximity, which, you know, we've sort of all been now, uh, I think, uh, trained a little bit to be like, oh, can't, can't get too close to people and sort of standing yeah. away. These these guys are doing that opposite. And so it is. I mean, all these are stressors on these guys. And um, you saw Ryan Hollingshead from, from Dallas as well um, just coming out on Twitter and saying, you know, don't stop blaming people for this stuff. This is really stressful. Um, the information about the failed protocol, blah, 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 and all this stuff. He, he basically said, you know, back off on all these false accusations. You guys don't know what you're talking about, which is true. Probably, you know, 50% of the time. And I think, I think that probably goes to, I think it was a Taylor Twelman who said it on the broadcast that, you know, this is an FC Dallas problem and a Nashville problem, not an MLS problem. So, when you make a statement like that, I think when you think about who's making that statement uh, and what the what's in the best interest for them is to try to make it sound like this isn't a league problem, everything's okay. That's there's a PR spin to it, and that's just being real. Uh, you know, the, the ESPN broadcasters are going to err on the side of MLS when those things happen. Uh, so to put the blame solely on them and say it's it's completely their fault, some of this it's airborne. You know, maybe they took precautions and just were unlucky, unfortunate, came across the wrong person at the wrong time, uh, or, or it's possible that they were careless. We don't know. And so when you have 25 people, it's possible that you could have had, you know, five people who were, were Boy Scouts and did everything by the book. And then if you have two or three and that weren't, you know, you ha whatever, have you run that those percentages, then that that's how that thing spreads and makes it happen. So uh, if there's some way, <laughs> if it's going to be hammer right down the middle per usual for them both to be right, because it is an FC Dallas problem and a national it problem is. because those were the teams that had the most cases. But yes. there, that doesn't mean that everyone on that team should be blamed. And without them releasing who it was, um, assumptions are going to be made. So I understand where Hollingshead is coming from by making that statement. But right. He, he's right for the intention behind the statement. But at the end of the day, it really truly is an FC Dallas problem and a Nashville problem. They're the ones. I mean, listen, the, yeah. those those statements aren't made just blanket. And I understand Hollingshead standing up for, you know, other people and doing different things. I get all of that. That's fine. Um, but at the same time, there were mistakes made. And, we, you know, there's social media posts that were that were made that sort of are like, hmm, yeah, that probably shouldn't have happened. And, you know, who knows if that was the case. And, so the, and that's what your land of pride. Yeah, you exactly. Know, and and been more receipts of them. Yeah. It's so there are some things that it's it's pretty obvious. Yes. Yes. Um, so anyway, so 
Uh, that's where we stand, and uh, like we said, uh, Nashville bounced from the tournament. Let's talk about that real quick. Um, Nashville bounced from this tournament. Basically, uh, they had uh, five positive tests and then an additional four. Um, the four were waiting on the confirmation. They got the four confirmation, and they're all positives. Um, so that means nine players. They hadn't trained, I think, until since uh, Monday or possibly even over the weekend. So they got there. They never really got a chance to really train. Um, they didn't get to do anything, and so basically them trying to continue uh, – wasn't going to happen. There was a chance if those four tests that were sort of up in the air and waiting for positive confirmations uh, had gone the other way and it was just five players that maybe they tried to stitch it all together. But as somebody way smarter than me said, this is this was always a 24-team tournament. It just had 26 teams in it. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, it's 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 a little bit easier now that, every, that, that Nashville is gone. A 24-team tournament makes way more sense than a 26-team tournament. So that group was six uh, six teams, Group A, uh, is now Adios. Uh, no more six teams. They have four now. Um, and so uh, Chicago actually went over from Group A to Group B. Uh, they joined the San Jose Earthquakes, Seattle Sounders, and Vancouver Whitecaps. But Chicago and Nashville will remain in the Eastern Conference for the rest of the 2020 regular season. So Chicago's going to play all Western Conference teams, but they're going to remain in the Eastern Conference. That sounds, that sounds fair. Sure, why not? Just the way everything is going. I mean, are we... <laughs> So we're mar- we're mar- we're we're still going to stick to the line that uh, we're going to have a season after this. So uh, th- that just it makes me laugh a little bit that you know well for the rest of the season like like everything's just going to run so smoothly after this. But to put the final button on it with you, what you were saying about this was always a a, a twenty four team tournament, not a twenty six. Uh, the the irony of the two teams with the positive cases having to exit actually fixing the group situation. Uh, it, it's just kind of ironic to me just because now we have a real tournament. It, it feels like you have even groups. You have the third place team situation isn't going to be as skewed. It's going to, you're going to get a more accurate representation because the, the groups, everyone in each group is going to play in each other. It really fixes the schedule, makes it easier uh, in terms of fairness on which teams are going to come out on top. So uh, just, it's just interesting that uh, the two teams, even though the circumstances uh, were not great. It, it actually was a better result in the end to have a smoother tournament. Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be interesting going forward. I'll tell you who um, who who didn't exactly love this. Um, I think Seattle is still going to be um, playing some some early two. games. Uh, yeah, they have two six a.m. games. Is that was that the correct the two six a.m. West Coast uh, games? I think that's correct. Um, I think so anyway, they an early game yeah. as well when they didn't have one. Yeah, ugh, man. That's the, the Galaxy don't have any 6 a.m. games because uh, ESPN and all the tel- television broadcasters know that the Galaxy are going to bring in some viewing numbers, and so they want to bury them at the uh, at the six. Although that 6 a.m. slot slash you know 9 a.m. East Coast time is going to pull in numbers because there's nothing else on like in terms of sports, and you wake up and you're watching games. It's listen. The worst thing that ever happened, my son, uh, Jake, he woke up at, um, let's see, 445 this morning for no reason whatsoever, screaming. Uh, and so I was up and ready for the 6 a.m. Uh, uh, game, no problems, ready to go. And so we got to, I get to watch a little bit of that, and then I finished watching it whenever I got to work. Um, so it was all all interesting. But uh, just looking at all these different things and, and the way that they move some stuff around, um, you know, it seems like it's going to work better. They, it, remember, it changed at one point that it was going to be the top three teams in Group A went along and then the, the fourth place team had a chance to be one of the best, quote unquote, third place teams. You know, it was all this like weird stuff. Now it's gone back to that the four third place teams, the four best third place teams 
will advance uh, into that knockout round. So a little bit better chance, I think, for the Galaxy to advance. I'm not exactly super high on their chances in this particular tournament, but um, saying all that, this works out a little bit better for them. I'm going to mention this every chance I get, and I'm wearing the jersey uh, from 2016 uh, Portugal team who had three draws in the group stage and managed to uh, make their way and win the tournament. So 2014 tournament, uh, scraping your way in, uh, uh, and me being a supporter of that team, that's a good omen uh, for the LA Galaxy because you know you could work your way up and, and get hot at the right time, peak at the right time, uh, dare I say it, uh, and yes. end up taking this thing home. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out for the Galaxy. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun to watch. I'm excited to to see it. Um, I'm looking at this NBA thing. So this this article came out a little bit earlier today. And was talking about how the NBA is already coming under fire for taking away testing capacity from the Orlando area. Here's what's happening. Uh, we know that Orlando is, you know, exploding with cases. We know that the testing lines in or, in and around Orlando are long. Um, they're at the Orlando Convention Center. They basically had to limit themselves to 150 tests that day. Um, and those 150 tests were basically done and handed out. Um, you know, within the first few minutes of the Orlando Convention Center opening. So that's what this article is sort of covering um, and saying, listen, there's a lot of tests that are being done. And now the wait time for these tests, if you go on like the websites after you get tested um, and you give that wait time, uh, it's saying that it's waiting five to seven days for results. Well, that makes the test useless because, um, you know, if you're positive, you know, seven days ago, there's a chance you could be negative now. Uh, there's a chance that you didn't quarantine, that you didn't get treatment, that nothing happened because you didn't know whether or not you had uh, COVID-19. Uh, and so it, it's a big deal um, having said all that. So um, there is some criticism certainly levied at the NBA. Um, but really, whenever you look at it, the NBA and the number of tests the NBA are going to have are going to be much smaller than what MLS is going to have whenever you figure that every team has basically 30 people, I think, in their entourage uh, that they're allowed to go. Uh, let me tell you how many tests the, uh, the MLS did. They did 1,888 tests over two days, so basically 900-plus tests. And all of those basically have you know less than a 24-hour turnaround. They're blasting those through as quickly as possible because they want to know who's positive, who's negative, so that way they can go ahead and, and allow people to do that. Uh, we had talked about this, and certainly Kevin, uh, the panda, was high on this particular aspect of it, that it could look really bad. It's going to look really bad. Uh, MLS may say that they, they, they donated tests and did all this stuff, but it doesn't matter at this point now. Um, people are pointing out that MLS is sort of you know getting bumped to the front of the line in order to get these tests done, which whether that's true or not, the optics look bad. Yeah, and like you said, we we anticipated this being an issue, and I think especially as things have not died down, uh, I think there was that whole hope hope that things would slow down and everything would work itself out. But we know hope isn't what fixes things. So, um, you know, I think it, it it's just a bad look more than anything when you have uh, eighteen hundred tests going through in two days and then one hundred and fifty being handed out to the population. It's just a bad PR look. We talked about it being a separate uh, separate stack, if you will. And not being coming from the the general supply, but at the same time, these are people who who could be sick, and it goes back to that point of uh, FC Dallas and Nashville staying in the bubble. Because I did see some people saying, "Well, why are they still there? They're putting other players at risk." But at the same thing, same time, if they have it or were exposed to it, you can't just put them on a plane and send them back because you're now exposing people at the plane, people at the airport, the on your way there, the bus it's driver, opening. yeah, yeah, it's a it's a whole another can of worms. So you have to 
for as silly as that sound, it's for the greater safety of, of the public, keeping them in the bubble. So it's the same thing, um, you know, with the people who want to test. The, there are people in line and they want to get those tests. So to see something happening in their home state and that's in the same city and they're they're not getting the quick turnaround like MLS is, it, it really shines a light on that whole money talks aspect and the inequalities that, that come across. That if, if you have the money and you're putting on a, a league, then you can make that turnaround faster. But it, otherwise, if you're just, uh, you know, some regular casual fan or casual citizen, then you, you don't get that same priority. And I could see why that just becomes a PR nightmare and where this can come under fire uh, if it really is something that people want to push. Yeah. And, and let's be, you know, clear uh, or li- I'll be clear. You don't have to join me on this. Um, you know, this is a failure at governmental levels, both national and state, that the, the problem has gotten this bad um, in Florida and in other places around the United States. So, um, you know, this is this is I don't know. This was predictable. And you're in the predictable area. And yeah, I don't know how you can sit there and say, well, we didn't know this was coming and we didn't know it was going to be this bad because you did and you knew. And, you know, it's the whole thing that's going on around the United States is you can't say you couldn't do it. There's other places around the world who did it, who did it, um, you know, and, you know, it's just that's that's really where the failure comes in on this. Um, so the MLS testing information that we have and, and was released on July 8th um, basically said that uh, during the periods from July 7th to July 8th, 1,888 players, coaches, referees, club staff, league staff, and other individuals who were part of MLS's back tournament delegation at the host hotel in Florida have been tested for COVID-19. Of that group, four individuals tested positive, all coming from two different clubs. Uh, we know one of those clubs is the New York Red Bulls. Um, that was reported by, I believe, uh, Paul Tenorio and Sam Shdeshkel, um of The Athletic. Uh, I don't know, and I haven't seen if it was the other two, but I haven't been on Twitter this afternoon, so I wasn't exactly paying attention so uh there's another team out there that has positive tests i don't believe it's the galaxy but i haven't been told it's not the galaxy so you just sort of wait and see what happens and how that all comes about so uh, again just to keep that up to date they release those every other day so uh, the next one should be coming out on july 10th where you'll know the, the how many tests they ran and how many people tested positive um the big thing to avoid here eric would be the communal spread within the bubble, right? Which is means that people are getting sick from it from inside the bubble or bringing stuff from outside the bubble into the bubble and then people inside the bubble are getting sick. It's That would be what stops this tournament. We haven't seen that. And let's be very clear about that. We haven't seen that. Um, both It seems like both of the teams that probably had positives kept brought that from outside. Um, in these last ones, we know that Nashville and Dallas brought it from outside. This was a Dallas problem and a Nashville problem, the cities themselves. Um, and that's where it came from. So everybody's saying, you know, the Nashville expulsion says that's why we should end this tournament. That's that. No. Okay. That's I understand where you're coming from. First of all, you can argue that this tournament should have never been played. Uh, I think we covered that without playing. Lots of people would have lost their jobs. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, a good argument or a bad argument. Um, you know, if you could hit the pause button on the entire economy um, everywhere and just let everybody float for a couple months, maybe they don't need to play this. Maybe it doesn't need to happen. Um it's certainly a, a good argument about uh, society and, and different things that you want to look at. So I don't want to get into that part of it, but um, you know, this is this right now, the bubble seems to be holding. People talk about the bubble being burst and it has not burst. It has not been pierced. Um, and in fact, some players are saying that they actually feel MLS is doing a good job containing Dallas and containing Nashville and that people aren't getting sick from them. So they feel like the protocols that are in place are probably working. 
Um, you know, who knows if that's just the idea that you have to tell yourself when you're in the bubble, but yeah, I think that, that that's definitely a psychological part of it. I think you have to try to convince yourself that you're in a safe place. Otherwise it's going to drive you, drive you insane. So I think that's definitely part of it. Uh, the, the other thing is, you know, there are some who want to dance on the grave a little bit of, of MLS and say, this is a disaster. Look, there's positive cases. This shouldn't be happening. And, uh, they could probably hold on that for probably a week or, or two. I think once you have the first round of games, all the teams have played their games. They're all already in the bubble. And then if you still have positive cases after that, then you could say, okay, it's a disaster because it's somehow spread within the bubble. But until that happens, it's it's one of those, uh, the Schrodinger's cat. I think we, we've had a, a, an episode named, uh, it is until it isn't right. It's, uh, right. if, if it both if is and is at the case, same time, yeah, yeah, you can say that it's a disaster and it shouldn't have happened if you have positive cases. But if you don't have positive cases, you can't say that it shouldn't have happened. So I think we're a week away or a week or two, you know, 10 days away from from finding out if this was a good idea or a bad idea. Because if 10 days from now, there's no more positive tests, everyone's contained, everyone's keeping their distance, staying safe, then you can call it a success. It's going to be, I still expect to find like get one or two. Um, and that's the thing. And and by the way, people who want to dance on the grave of MLS, if there's positive tests and if it blows up, you're going to say you can easily say, well, it's not like we couldn't have predicted this. Right. I mean, you you and I can sit here and say, yeah, no, well, I could have predicted that. Yeah. 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 It's 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 a possibility. We all understand that it's a possibility. That's not the argument here. The argument is that they think they can do it safely. And I would still think that you're going to get like one offs. You're going to get one here and one there. And where did it come from? Nobody knows. Right. But it's not a whole team. It's not a bunch of members. It's not seven members of this team suddenly test positive for COVID. I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like the protocols that they have in place are are probably stringent enough. And the testing is getting is frequent enough that, um, you know, it's going to be okay. But still, that's what we're watching. So you're going to watch these these games and you should enjoy these games. Um, You know, one player I was talking to said, you know, we don't want people to be feel bad about us out there playing. We want people to enjoy them. If we're going to go out there and play, we want we want people to enjoy it. Uh, no, that, so that's, I, that's one, that's where I landed on it is, um, you know, for those who are, or maybe think this shouldn't be happening, I don't think, uh, there should be any shaming or blaming anyone for enjoying the fact that there's soccer on. I mean, I, I brought up mental health in the state that a lot of these players were in for not playing and, and as, as silly as it sounds, and it's something that we've discovered from, from being, uh, in this quarantine and in this lockdown is that sports bring a little bit of joy and a little bit of satisfaction with when you don't have anything else uh, to focus on it, it's, it's, it provides that. So if, if that provides that, that's okay. It's okay to like it. It's okay to enjoy it. It's okay to tweet about it. It's okay to call your friends to text about it. It's fine. You know, you, you, I don't think anyone at this point is rooting for anyone to get sick and wants, wants this virus to spread any worse than it is. So no one's doing this uh, with bad intentions. So I think that's, yeah. that's where you have to have to, to look at this is no one's trying uh, to harm anyone else. We're just looking uh, for that positivity and hoping that all, all works out. Well, saying that now we get to let's let's talk about happier things. Let's look at this as we're getting closer to a game where the LA Galaxy are going to are going to play. It's going to count. Points will be awarded. Um, all sorts of things, um, you know, are going to be happening, and you can be excited about that, and you should be excited about that. Let's talk about the LA Galaxy. Um, I don't know exactly how to approach this. I think I'm just being honest. Uh, they launched it to the Together at Home collection. 
Um, it's basically LA Galaxy Apparel um, that launched, and they've had a sort of a together at home collection that's been starting and at the LA Team Store and all these things. And so they came out with a whole bunch of different t-shirts. Um, t-shirts I think are around thirty-eight dollars, and then once you add shipping and everything like that, it's probably about forty-five bucks. So forty-five bucks for a t-shirt. Um, I would say I think it's the the designs themselves are rather uninspiring. They don't really do it for me. Um, I know what they were trying to go for. I just think that if you put enough stuff out and having done this, I know sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss. Sometimes you read the room correctly. Uh, the Lion of Los Angeles t-shirts. Uh, sometimes you misread the room, you know, dramatically, you know, the, the, the Panda and Pato t-shirts. I mean, those are, those are basically the things. So you can look at all those different things and say, okay, well, duh, you're looking back at it. It made a lot of sense. Just for whatever reason, this isn't landing. Um, but there's also this other thing that's been happening, Eric, and we've touched on it. We've talked about it. Um, the independent apparel that's coming around is, is just better than the stuff that the team is putting out. And I don't know how you get back on top of that. Um, besides going out and trying to sue all the independents out of existence. Well, that's, yeah, that's how you win is when you, you, you are literally the brand and they can't sell the crest. They can't sell, uh, the actual merchandise, then that's where you come out on top. I mean, you, this happens every year with when the new jerseys released, it's, it's hideous, it's ugly. And yet somehow half the stadium is wearing the new Jersey, uh, by seasons in. So it's just one of those <laughs> things I think when, thing, when things come out, there's this initial backlash to it. And you know, while the designs were simplistic, they, they weren't okay. Uh, well, the, the designs were simplistic and, 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 and this is where you do have to tip your hat to the independent, uh, content, creators and merchandise creators like a one, two threads. And I think the reason why you see, and retro C red as is, is the other one uh, that was popular for quite a bit. Um, I think the reason why they come, why that connects with fans is because they, those are fans themselves and they right. are creating the things they like. And so that's going to connect with other fans uh, as much as we love the LA galaxy and we support the club, the people in, you know, I'm going to quote the panda, the calls coming from inside the house. The people inside the organization are never going to have the same love for it that someone who is a fan and, and an aficionado, aficion, can't even speak, someone who's a fan and aficionado of the club is right. is going to give put a little bit more heart into it than someone who's creating it as a job. And I think that that's where you see some of the independent merchandise you know, has, has a little more kick to it, a little more bite to it. And is a little bit more likable, uh, because it's not, you know, the, we, we shopped through, uh, the MLS store clearance this week because they had a sale, you know, some of that stuff it? is just so it's, it's very on the nose. I do have one of my purchases that I'll, I'll put on camera, but some of the, some of the things on there, I don't know who's buying them because it's just a very simple or basic <laughs> it's, design. It's I think you. That's what it's you and me. That's who's buying this stuff, by the way. I, I still have to fill up the studio on a regular basis with new stuff. So I Eric showed me something that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's is, so uh, stupid. <laughs> I for, uh, it's a I forget what it is. It's a it's basically it's a wooden statue of Zlatan. I don't know why a wooden statue of Zlatan exists, but when I saw it and I saw that it was four ninety nine, I had to have it. Uh, so I went, can we, can we, we go to, can we go to a one box on Eric for this, for this close up? Let's see. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's draw Try that all the way so, in. Oh my. And, and then also, uh, yeah. So again, it just, it looks like, uh, to me, I called it LA galaxy. Joe boo. It feels like major league. Like, I feel like I could set this down. I could pour a glass of rum for Zlatan and it's going to bring light us good luck. And fortune. Yeah. Light a cigarette, put some incense, sacrifice a chicken, and we're going to end up getting a, a win in this Orlando tournament. So I don't know. It's silly little things like this. The fans are the ones who are buying it. When you have something unique, 
this is what comes out on top. I, you know, if it was a simplistic design, those aren't the things I was taking home. But a wooden, wooden sculpture of Zlatan, that, that's the type of stuff that connects with me. I was, I was going to say, um, it was one of the, you, you showed it to me. And I'm like, that is the stupidest thing that I've, oh, did it just, dropped it. He, he dropped it. It's dead now. We're going to find Zlatan, out if it broke. Did truth. Zlatan die at the same time? Somebody check on Zlatan. That could have been, this could be a, an actual idol. We're not sure. I said it looked like the idol from the Brady Bunch. I've got bad news. Uh, yeah. We've got yeah. a cranial <laughs> fracture of Zlatan. <laughs> right on the air. Right, there I've you got go. Super- Live. We're going to fix it. We're gonna fix that. We'll, we'll be able to get him. We'll be able to get him back in pieces. Uh, well, how how fitting for Zlatan? I mean, he's kind of at that age where he's falling apart a little bit anyway. So, uh, makes a whole bunch of bunch of sense. But um, but anyway, yeah, you showed me that. I said that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen, and then I ordered it. Um, FYI, the shipping was as much as the actual item, which was which was fun. Um, so got that as well. I may get divorced over that particular thing because my wife looked at it and said, why would you possibly need that? I'm like, it was $10 total with like shipping and everything. She's like, that's $10 too much. So, um, but anyway, so that was there. Uh, all right. Uh, whew, that was, that was rough on Zlatan. I, some, seriously, somebody check on, just, just DM him on Twitter. Make sure he's okay. Uh, speaking of one, two threads, they announced a loyalty over trends, hazy IPA, uh, you know, one two threads is an independent apparel company we talked about them a whole bunch they were in collaboration with common corners uh the beer itself is made from galaxy hops uh sabro and mosaic um and it's seven percent alcohol so i i suggest one is enough uh one alcohol you can pick up only so uh head over to their website the first availability to be able to pick these up will be before the rose bowl viewing party which we will now tell you about in just a little bit here um Rose Bowl viewing party. This is a drive-in viewing party, which is kind of cool. I like it. I dig it. I like the idea. Uh, the capacity is going to be about 500 vehicles. Here's the deal is that the LA Galaxy are not opening this up. It looks like to the general public. It looks like it's just the season ticket members. Um, when they sent out the release on it, it wasn't a press release. It was actually an advisory. And so I checked in just to make sure. And I'm like, hey, you're just telling us about this because basically you just want us to know about it. But you're not saying um, that, you know, that... Uh, you're not saying that uh, everybody should just show up to this, right? And they're like, yeah, you, you need to RSVP and you need to do all those things. Um, so anyway, uh, it's only open to season ticket holders. There's going to be a capacity of about 500 vehicles. They're expecting this to sell out. It's in the Rose Bowl parking lot. You're going to watch a big screen TV. Um, everyone gets a Modelo bandana and a 2002 Mauricio Cienfuegos uh, MLS Cup uh, pin for attending. So it should be uh, it should be an interesting, fun time. It's on a Monday, uh, which isn't the greatest thing in the world. The game's at 7.30 p.m. We're going to talk about that game here in just a little bit. Um, but in terms of viewing parties, this is a fun one. I mean, I would imagine that there might be something similar being set up for the Saturday uh, faux trafico uh, that's going to happen on, in Orlando. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. I imagine they have something planned. Um, so that, that might be something you want to watch, but anyway, the Rose bowl, um, that's what's happening on, uh, on Monday night. I, I, I would say this just anecdotally, uh, the Rose bowl parking lot is one of the, uh, seven circles of hell that you have to try to escape whenever you're at the Rose bowl <laughs> and the game is over. Um, so I think it's perfect that you just put a TV in there and you could just watch. So, uh, sounds like fun. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever been to the Rose bowl and actually parked in the parking lot. So uh, the fact that it, I w- it won't be on the golf course is is, a, is impressive to me. Um, so again, it's a cool thing that they're doing. I appreciate that they're doing. Uh, if you are heading out there, be safe. You know, do your precautions. Make sure you're 
you're following the rules and doing what you're supposed to. That's my bit of advice. And then if if you're a diehard fan, I saw it out there. There's some people who are diehard fans, but maybe not necessarily season ticket members. There are a lot of season ticket members that I bet if you reach out to, you might be able to find uh, that link to RSVP uh, before it fills up. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know how they're going to do the the audio. I don't know the, how the screen is going to look. I don't know how any of this stuff is going on. Uh, Bixby in the uh, in the chat room says that the New England Rebs did that today, too. Uh, they did. You could see people actually parked on the uh, Gillette Stadium field there. Um, it was kind of cool that they got to park, you know, sort of in the stadium. And then they separated. Everybody, I think, moved to, like, the right of their car. So you could sort of tailgate next to your car. if you. But you had to, like, stay to the right of it. Um, so anyway, just look cool. The one picture I saw. It looked like it was going to be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, more one, sorry, LA. Thing, uh, yeah. The one thing that I saw also is from the Philadelphia game. They actually let fans inside their stadium. Uh, they brought their own lawn chairs and they set up, they flagged off little zones on the actual field itself. So I thought something like that would be pretty cool. Uh, uh, you know, if anyone from Galaxy organization is listening, we love all your t-shirt designs. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if you have something like that where you let fans in the stadium, that probably would be a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fun. I was going to say, well, the one way, of course, to always change our minds on on all these designs, just send us free stuff, right? Because then, then we know that's not true. We, I mean, we'd accept the free stuff, but we'd still have our own opinions on that. That's right. I think yeah. that's what we should do. Yeah, I was going to okay. say, uh, El, El Silencio uh, Mescal would like a word. <laughs> hey, that was good. It was fun. All right, and I enjoyed that. So that was that was a truthful review. I would like to remind yeah. everybody that was a truthful. You had a good. It was fun. I enjoyed it. They gave us free alcohol. It was perfect. Um, let's go now to a little LA Galaxy news before we get you to the Portland and uh, LA Galaxy game. Kevin Hartman, uh, real quickly, named the LA Galaxy Academy Director. Remember, uh, uh, Hartman was on our show. We got to talk to him. We talked about the Girls Academy. At that time, we didn't know it was going away. Uh, we talked about the Boys Academy. He said he was working on both of those at the same time. Uh, and now he has named the LA Galaxy Academy Director. So, again, lots of former LA Galaxy players uh, finding homes within this LA Galaxy organization. Uh, Hartman says, I'm excited to can you continue to play a role in the development of some of the most talented youth prospects in North America. Youth development will continue to be a staple of success for the LA Galaxy, and I look forward to supporting our academy to ensure we're developing quality people on and off the field. Uh, so anyway, so just an interesting sort of uh, turn there. And the Galaxy Academy now with the additions of uh, Juninho and Marcelo Sarvas, um, and now Kevin Hartman as the as the director there. Uh, there's some winning LA Galaxy minds within that academy, and I like that. I like that mentality of you're not just playing for an academy club. You're playing for the LA Galaxy Academy Club, and that means something, and that's different. Um, I think bringing people, bring the, the kids up that way is an important way to, to getting them adjusted to professional soccer life. Uh, I think that's super important. Yeah, the winning mentality, uh, the, it's one of those intangibles. How do you teach it? How do you coach it? Uh, unless you've done it, there's no way to, to explain it to other people. So having someone like Kevin Hartman, who's been with the organization a long time, seems like he got you know some, some good experience and some good reps with the time that he was with the Girls Academy, uh, and then bring that in, of course, with the championship pedigree of, of Juninho and Service. It, it feels like a winning combination that they're they're bringing in those, uh, you know, the alumni to take care of. And and if we're being honest, it's it's a little bit of a a, a low risk situation. You know, they're not really gonna. I, this this sounds bad when I say it. They're not going to cause a lot of damage. Uh, you know, in the academy, I think there are only going to be positives. You're going to be able to, you know, find some talent. And they're going to they're going to improve from working from there. I think I think it's a good thing. 
Yeah, it, it, you know, uh, TDM in the chat room says, what's the barometer of success for the Academy? Develop talent. Yeah. Um, that's it. And the I mean, percentage and, doesn't need to be super high. I mean, when you talk about your your the Galaxy market, the first team is a global market, and you're able to buy players and bring players along. So when you're talking about Academy talents, if you can get one or two players per year on the on the first team roster that's the success so when you look at the percentage it doesn't you look at how many kids are in the academy and how many need to make it to the first team it, it's not a, a high percentage that need to make it through for it to be a success no not at all all right uh ladies and gentlemen boys and girls uh something is about to happen that has not happened uh since before march 7th i think uh it's uh it's something that uh, that I know the hammer has missed. I know that you have missed, um, and so we're we're uh, quite honestly we're ecstatic that we can bring it to you. Um, we have not had a dramatic preview since the LA Galaxy uh, played the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, that was on March seventh. That was a one nothing loss. If everybody remembers that, uh, it was also a ten men LA Galaxy game. Game thanks Joe Corona um, and Jonathan Dos Santos went out at the half. Uh, so having said all of that. Um, I bring to you, uh, for the very first time since, uh, since the COVID shutdown, uh, the hammers dramatic game preview. Here you go. Take it away. Hammer. MLS is back. And that means that we get to watch some real live competitive LA galaxy soccer. Your LA galaxy opened the tournament this Monday in perhaps the unhappiest place on earth, Orlando, Florida. Pandemics, government shutdowns, and injured captains, be darn, the show must go on. ESPN's Hollywood Studios giving in-depth coverage and angles like the will be able to hear the voice of all of their glory while they whistle while they work. Speaking of war with wooden tools, the port timbers will be missing any of their teammates. Can Larry, Chara, and company push the galaxy, push the galaxy to their edge? Or will they be F hot in the counterattack? of our young team. So let's all hope for a couple of extra magic hours as Christian Capone and Chicharito hope to turn the MLS Backus tournament into their own magic king. All right. I was a bit rusty. I like it. Well, you know, fair. it's pretty, I could feel, you know, just like the game, gonna... you need a little bit of time to get back into this, this flow. It's tough. It's not easy. Um, plus really you're doing it for the first time, like remotely. And I know that it's different. So I, I, I understand that it's, it's distracting. I'm sitting over here making faces that it's just, you know, it's, it, it's good, but I like it. I like it. You got, you got people, people popped up. Um, right. I think everybody's ready to go. We, you know, this is, this is, you're, you're allowed to get it again. We're giving you permission. You're allowed to get excited about soccer. You're allowed to get excited for this game. Uh, the LA galaxy, like we said, coming off of a one, nothing loss to the Vancouver Whitecaps back on March 7th, but Portland won one, nothing over Nashville, um, at, uh, up in Portland on March 8th. So, uh, if you look at the standings right now, the LA galaxy currently set 10th in the Western conference. And remember these group games actually count. Uh, it's funny. The Eastern conference standings moved. And I was like, oh, my God, there's movement in the standings. We haven't seen that. Like, you know, this is this this is crazy. You see people play three games. All of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, things are happening and it's moving. Um, so in the Western Conference, the LA Galaxy sit in 10th. They have um, just one point from two games. Obviously, uh, the draw with the Houston Dynamo, uh, Christian Pavone with the goal, uh, <laughs> David Bingham with the assist. Uh, we were going over some of the stats before all this stuff, um, and and we were talking about some of the just weird things. We, we'll and we'll, we'll talk about it. But the guy who leads shots for the LA Galaxy is no longer with the LA Galaxy. That would be Alexander. 
Alexander Katai. And I remember talking about him through the first two games saying he's really been the only bright spot for the LA galaxy. I know he hasn't played that much. He didn't make the 90 minutes. Um, but he was creating offense. It just wasn't on target and rarely was dangerous. Um, so looking at all that stuff, you have Portland who sits in eighth place in the Western Conference. Uh, they have uh, three points. So they're, uh, let's see, well, one, one, and oh, uh, the LA Galaxy, oh, one, and one um, as we go forward. So that's where we sit with uh, with this particular game. Uh, what do you expect from this game, Eric? It's... Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be more akin to a preseason game. The five sub things is going to be different and difficult for Gamble Barish Coloto. Uh, we, you know, what, what, what are your feelings? I am, I've made no bones about being an absolute unabashed Homer on this podcast. And so it, it's very difficult for me to be negative and to, to not go in with a little bit of positivity and, and see how, you know, the galaxy could perform well. Seeing that Portland isn't missing, they don't have anyone who's missing from their lineup, or at least no key starters. Uh, they have Delego, Diego Valeri, they have Sebastian Blanco, uh, Andy Polo, Diego Chara. They have all the key players, Steve Clark, their goalkeeper. Um, they did lose their opening match to, to Minnesota, but they did get, they left on a high note with a win at home. I, I just don't think a team that is still intact, that hasn't had to deal with players, uh, you know, either being gone to injury like Jonathan Dos Santos or Katai, who someone was lead, led the team in shots, but is now no longer on the team. I, I don't see how the galaxy is going to, you know, really look dominant in this game. Is it possible? You know, who knows with well, the way this tournament goes, we know saw, um, you know, Miami looked, looked like they weren't in the game and then they looked for a portion of the game like they were dominating and so you never know how it's really going to go you know sometimes the minnows have a chance and and maybe the galaxy will be fortunate but i just think with the talent and the experience that portland has having very little disruptions to their lineup i I just i think portland may come out on top and unfortunately when you read the tea leaves and look at you know the some people were calling this a group of death. You just hope that this isn't uh, a three and out for the LA galaxy. Cause I could see that happening. I I'm rarely negative about the team. Try to give our listeners some hope and what's the positive that could happen. But I, I just don't see it working out unless, um, you know, it's just on the shoulders of Pavone and Pavone just sets, sets, sets the field on fire and Chicharito finds his scoring boots. Uh, I can see a situation where that does happen. I just don't, I don't, I don't feel like that's likely. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's difficult to say. And, and again, we talked about the scrimmage last time, and I, I know we, we were a little harsh, uh, perhaps, for a scrimmage. Um, but the one thing you were looking for from the scrimmage was team chemistry, and then none of the guys played together. So you were like, oh, okay, so they still don't have team chemistry. Cool. Um, you know, Chicharito has to get off the block on this. Not having Jonathan Dos Santos in the midfield means that, you know, Diego Valeri is probably going to, you know, dominate that midfield. Um, with Diego Chara uh, sitting there uh, as well in that midfield, uh, you know, you got Blanco. Um, they're a dangerous team who can score very easily um, and who plays the LA Galaxy tough. I mean, you know, let's throw out just the way that these teams normally play. Let's talk about how they play against the LA Galaxy. Um, because those are different things. You know, it's like Houston. Houston's not is a pretty inconsistent team. Uh, Houston plays the LA Galaxy very tough. Um, so that's one of the things. It's this Portland team. This Portland team plays the LA Galaxy very tough. Uh, it's not a great draw uh, for the LA Galaxy because I can say that every single one of these teams plays the LA Galaxy tough and they're tough games uh, for it. So I could see the LA Galaxy winning two or three of these games. 
I could see the LA Galaxy winning zero of these games. Um, and I could see the LA Galaxy, you know, basically walking away with three draws, Hammer, three draws and, and marching <laughs> on to... That's, uh, that's going to be my vote. I'm going to stick with that. Yes, yes. Um, it's gonna. I think it's going to be sloppy. Uh, the real interesting thing is, that, is I've been paying attention to the photos coming out of uh, MLS, the bubble there, and, and the LA Galaxy training. Sort of some predictions that seem to be coming true right now. It looks like Efrain Alvarez could possibly be in the starting lineup, which is going to be interesting to see where exactly they play him. Uh, I think in the scrimmage, he was actually playing out on the right wing, uh, and so he was cutting in again. Guillermo loves a you know guy who can play on the right side and cut into the left, and you know Christian Pavone does that, and so Efrain Alvarez could also do that. I'm worried about his mobility, I'm worried about his speed, um, but uh, the youngster, 18 years old now, not, I guess he's a man now. Um, so I don't know if you can call me. Yeah, I'm going to call. The youngster, of course yeah. I am. Uh, the youngster uh, is looks like he's in better shape. Uh, looks like he's been lifting. There were some articles about him going out there. So uh, a lot could a lot of the success is going to one hinge on the LA Galaxy's midfield. Uh, Perry Kitchen, Sasha Kleshton, uh, Sebastian Lejet. Uh, what those guys do there, possibly even Emil Cuello uh, coming in as sort of a replacement as we've seen. Um, so that midfield and with Joe Corona suspended for this first game because he got the two yellow cards in the last game. So Corona's not available. So that Galaxy midfield is going to be a big thing. But the other thing is going to be what happens on that right side. You know, will Efrain Alvarez um, be the starter over there? And if it's not him, is it somebody else? Does Alvarez start in the middle? Do they push Legit out wide to the right, which is something we've talked about as well? So how many things change? How many things stay the same? Maybe Julian Araujo also gets some playing time. I think you're going to see some of the younger kids who maybe weren't the 100% starters get playing time in these games. It's hot. It's humid. Uh, it is rainy. It's wet. Uh, all of those things that Florida is during the summertime, it is right now. And so uh, you're going to have to have a deeper bench than the LA Galaxy had, uh, which means Guillermo is actually going to have to pull the string on some subs. Yeah, and I think where, where Efrain on the wing could win me over is, you know, Pavone with what he does on the left-hand side, cutting inside to his right foot and making the magic happen. Efrain has shown in the youth level for Mexico and also for LA Galaxy 2 that that's his bread and butter is to to cut in and then use his left foot. So if you put them on opposite ends, I could see how that could be a game plan for for the Galaxy moving forward. So I'm excited to see that. Another name that you didn't throw out, uh, one of our youngsters, Cameron Dunbar. I think they've been showing him in training a lot. I think you think look about the wide the wide worlds of sports facility it's made for youth tournaments probably the type of tournaments that Cameron Dunbar has been playing in uh, you know for for a good chunk of his life so this is probably like right right in his wheelhouse so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he saw Cameron Dunbar get some minutes you know even if it's uh, minutes late and to come in and kind of salvage things or to make some some magic happen at the end I could see that happening as well Here's here's the duality of this tournament, uh, Hammer. It's that uh, if the LA Galaxy do good, then it should count for something, and that'll be fun to watch, and it all will lead into something else, and then this year will actually mean something. If the LA Galaxy are horrible, um, and they don't do it, then this year's a throwaway, and you're just building for 2021 anyway, and so you can sort of go back to those things. I, I think both of those things, again, uh, Schrodinger's cats, I think both of those things are true at the same time, uh, until you can open the box and see if the cat's alive or dead. 
All right. That's the whole point of this whole thing is whether the cat is alive or dead. Um, so we'll see what happens with the LA Galaxy. This game kicks off. It is a 730 p.m. kickoff time um, live from the ESPN Wide World of Sports game on FS1. Uh, so it should be a good one. Monday, July 13th, 730 p.m. Uh, if you're headed out to the uh, Rose Bowl, go do that. Have it. Have fun. Enjoy that. Enjoy uh, getting out to there. And by the way, somebody in the chat room says that the Rose Bowl has been having drive ins. They have an actual drive in there. Um, and so they've been showing movies for the last couple of weeks. I didn't know there was a drive in there. This was all news to me. I'm, I'm, I haven't been up there in a very long time. Like, I avoid it. Really like the plague more than anything because I sit in that parking lot on the golf course for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I think uh, I think Kobe Jones posted something about he went to watch a drive in movie at the Rose Bowl. So they, they obviously have an in- infrastructure set up for it. So it won't be their first rodeo. You could take uh, if you're a little bit hesitant. You could know that. The other thing I wanted to bring up is 538. As always, we couldn't get out of here without referencing oh, yes. 538, who now has the odds up for the MLS's back tournament. They actually have the LA Galaxy favored. So the LA Galaxy had a 43% chance to win. Uh, Portland has a 36% chance and then uh, a 21% chance to tie. So the, <laughs> they haven't been great in picking these games. The Philadelphia game was basically a coin flip. The Orlando game, they had Orlando uh, not, they had only had a 27% chance to win and they ended up winning that game. So uh, it seems like it, it's going against what 538 is doing. I think after, without having the full games, they're basing this off the regular season teams. And I don't think you, you could say that here. So 538 has the galaxy inching ahead, although uh, I'm doubtful that it's going to happen. Do you have a prediction? Um, zero, zero draw. LA oh. Galaxy have a total of two shots on goal. Uh, David Bingham gets one of those shots whenever he launches one down the center of the field but misses somebody and it ends up on frame. Um, and I think the over-under on GBS's subs is exactly three. So are you over or under on uh, on GBS using three subs, I wouldn't bet on it. I, 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 that's a push. I think it's <laughs> going to be three. Seems exactly. like a push, right? Yes, I yeah, know the yeah. three seems like a push. <laughs> always, fun, I, I, always. I, good time. I, I too right. am picturing. You know, I'm I'm voting for. You know, I'm going for a draw. So I, I'm hoping for like a one one two two, but a, a zero zero draw definitely seems like it's in the cards. I just I, again, I think the bigger deal about all this is watching the chemistry. Let's see how it builds. Getting Chicharito into this game, um, over under on number of crosses in this game, the LA Galaxy launch that over under is twenty. Oof, that's a good over. I'm going to go over. Over, I wow. So like twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So, I, it might so be true. under. Yeah. By the way, Phil, Philip in the chat room was like, "But how many crosses?" I didn't. I didn't see that until after I said it. I would. I was. Philip, you and I were on the same same page uh, on that one. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that's where we sit. LA Galaxy facing off against Portland Timbers. That comes up on Monday. Show note: um, There's no live show right now scheduled for Monday, or there's no recorded show scheduled for Monday. Um, no corner of the galaxy from the box. Uh, the hammer and I may do something if we can put something together. Don't know if that's going to work, um, so we'll just sort of keep you updated on that. But right now, Corner of the Galaxy from the Box scheduled for Tuesday instead of Monday. So we're going to have to move things over uh, a little bit and slide things down. And then, of course, we'll have our normal show on Thursday because the LA Galaxy play in that faux Traffico on the uh, 18th on that Saturday. So we'll get you ready for that one. So it looks like Hammer might have to do a faux Traffico um, you know, uh, game preview for that one. So, uh, so maybe you should start practicing now. What do you, what do you think? That, that- yeah, given the rust that I had on on this one, I'm definitely gonna gonna have to give it a few more reps, and then also given uh, the history that uh, 
you know, my El, El Trafico game previews seem to make the rounds as well in some Reddit circles. So I'll have to be careful and make sure I choose my words carefully. No, you won't. You don't care. You're, you you <laughs> like that they talk about you. That's how it works. I do love All right, I um, love showing up in another team's uh, Reddit thread. <laughs> Reddit thread? Yes. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Um, all right. Uh, anything else you want to get to, or should we uh, should we wrap this one up? Well, we, we had a, a Twitter question from a, a concerned listener. Uh, at Sophie? Soccer Diva. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, Sophie's been in the chat room too. She's been yeah. she's been over here, so she's been she's yes. been lifting. What what yeah. Twitter question did she have? So she was talking about the the heat and the humidity and uh, how people aren't necessarily making a bigger fuss about the medical attention situation. We kind of brushed over it with Reyes in the Miami game. And so how do we think uh, you know that's going to work? And also the players doing interviews with masks. Yeah, I mean the the mask thing is going to be they're they're be listen it's a PR move for sure. Uh, yeah. They're also being extra super careful with all this stuff. Um, you know you can't have two teams bow out and then you play loosey goosey with the uh, with the masks. So I don't like it. Um, I personally think that if you're like I think what you should do if you were correct is that you sit down for the interview and then you take your mask off. You know maybe you let it hang from one ear. It's like yeah I have my mask. We're doing an interview. Nobody's around me. We should be okay that type of thing you could do. Um, so, but at the same time, I understand why they're giving that, uh, that, that visual. So I, I understand yeah. that the Reyes thing though, the actual medical part of it, that's a much bigger deal. Why did it, did it take so long? I mean, I think it took them four minutes before they even showed up um, for the stretchers and people were like, hurry up, get over there. The, the guy looked like he was knocked out for there for a little bit or at least laid out. Um, I came downstairs right as that, after that had happened. So I, I kind of missed yeah, something. I missed- I missed the foul, but I definitely saw the commotion that w- was going on, and, and, and it looked really bad. You could tell the players were concerned. When Juan Aguadelo had to help the stretcher crew, that's a bad sign. You sh- the players shouldn't have to go out there and push the stretcher out to get it moving faster. That was a bad look. Uh, and then with the masks, you know it's a PR move. I know it's a PR move. I think the people who are in favor of wearing masks are on board, but I think <laughs> all it did is anger people who are, see, what, what's the show? They're just putting on a show. You don't really need to wear the mask. It, it it is what it is. It's sending the message that people should wear masks, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And then the humidity, uh, the, uh, yeah, that that yeah. might increase the amount of subs. So we'll see if three is the right number for Guillermo. Three. I don't think he goes over three. I don't think he ever knew. I don't think he ever knew or ever thought of using four subs in his entire life, and he's not going to do it now. Um, the other part of that is Reyes. You know, people were asking, do they treat him inside the bubble or does he go outside the bubble? That was actually um, discussed, uh, and so Reyes actually had to go outside the bubble to a hospital. Uh, they looked at him and they said basically everything looks like fine, doesn't look like anything's wrong, and so they sent him back. So just observationally, they looked at him, checked him out, made sure everything was fine, and they sent him back. Here's the thing: he was outside the bubble, coming back inside the bubble coronavirus tests so he has to now be tested i think he has multiple tests before he has to be he can then be cleared negatively uh for the negative and then he can return to training if he's healthy and, and ready to do that so uh whenever you get hurt if you have to go to the hospital and you have to go outside the bubble then upon re-entering the bubble you're quarantined you're tested all that stuff has to happen again so uh some really interesting th- stuff and uh, as always uh the wonderful and uh, amazing sophie uh with some great content uh, even whenever she's not on the show so i uh, love you so thank you for that uh all right you good i'm good all right hammer tell people where they can find you we'll go all right. As always, you can find me on Twitter at TAS Hammer. You can also find me on Instagram at Galaxy Profile. That's Galaxy P R O F O U L. You can always catch Cosmo SC and Liga G action this weekend on Twitch. Visit cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click on the Liga G 96 page. 
All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGuessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. All of our podcasts are there. Our articles, our game previews, all that stuff, and the coverage. Uh, so we'll be there, and we plan on being awake and attentive for that post-game press conference. LA Galaxy was p.m. The Rose Bowl viewing party is available to you as well if you're a season ticket member. All right. For Eric the Portuguese Hammer, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. And we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye.